Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have Academy Award-winning composer and band leader for The Late Show on CBS, John Batiste. Coming up, I talked to John about winning Hollywood's highest achievement, his time studying at Juilliard, and his love for the city of New Orleans. Up next, John Batiste. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Leave a five-star rating. This week's theme is go the distance. Have you ever thought about how far you could go if you dedicated every ounce of energy you have into pursuing your dreams? Even if it's recreational, a side project, or a hobby, it's about pushing yourself to do your personal best. When you push yourself beyond what you think and feel is possible, you tap into your inner strength. And that isn't always recognizable. Once you discover that energy, you can apply it to anything. Nothing can stop you when you discover what you're truly made of. Show up fully present every day and give it your all. So many doors open up when you dedicate yourself toward going the distance in all that you do. My next guest knows all about that. Growing up in Louisiana in a musical family, John Batiste pushed the limits of how far he could go as a piano player until the day he looked up and realized he was limitless. Coming up, I talked to John about winning an Academy Award, being a two-time Juilliard graduate, and his experience as the band leader for The Late Show. Up next, John Batiste. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, current events, entertainment, and everything in between. My next guest is an Academy Award-winning pianist and was the most nominated artist at the 2021 Grammy Awards. You know John Batiste as the band leader for the late night show with Stephen Colbert, but I'm also excited to learn more about this very accomplished two-time Juilliard grad who has worked with everyone from John Legend to Trent Reznor. It is my honor to welcome John Batiste to the show. Welcome, my brother. Oh, my goodness. Glad to be here. Let's do this. So, John, it's really easy to hear your Louisiana roots in your music. But tell us, what is it like growing up in Kenner, Louisiana? And when did you discover your love of music? I, I started really getting into music as something that was 
part of the family. It was just an everyday thing that my dad really started as my first musical mentor by playing records for me. He's a bass player. He's the middle child of seven brothers. He would play records for me that basically exposed me to all of the different genres of music, everything that you could imagine. He played Bill Withers a lot. He played a lot of real lowdown Chitlin Circuit blues records because he grew up playing. They, they grew up playing with people from Isaac Hayes to they played early with the Jackson Five. They played with all of the musicians around New Orleans. If anybody came through New Orleans and needed a band, it would be my dad and his brothers that would play with them. So from him, I, I really got exposure, but I didn't really think I would be a professional musician until I was 16. I graduated early from high school and I went to Juilliard at 17. And that's when I was away from the family and away from just it being a part of everyday life. And I realized that I could make a living at this. And I had had a lot of people who were interested in collaborating and really wanted me to um, to push it forward. You know, it was it was knowing that I had that gift and seeing that it wasn't just because I was in a family or around it all the time. Absolutely. You nurtured your talent. I mean, you start taking classic piano lessons and learning melodies and themes to songs to video games. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So you were dedicated. What do you love most about the intersection of classical and contemporary when it comes to playing piano? I like that anything can be classical music. I think that you could take whatever you consider to be the music of your time that you grew up with, whether it's video game music, whether it's, it's hip hop music, whether it's, it's, it's soul or jazz or blues, and you can make it into classical music. Because imagine if Beethoven was around today, he would know how to play jazz. He would, he would know something about how to make a beat. Mm. I, I imagine he would be a mix of like Dr. Dre and Yo-Yo Ma. You know, the, the the range of what he would know how to do and make classical music, make high art music would be so expansive because he would evolve with the time. So I just kind of see myself like uh, a, a modern day classical composer in the sense of I'm taking from everything that happened today and all the way back to the beginning. So if you could put two classical composers in a versus battle all time, who would that be and why? Look, look, <laughs> I, I, I would have to put <laughs> man, man, I will put yeah, Duke Ellington and 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 um and and Bach, because because I would consider. Duke Ellington to be mm. black classical, com that's a black classical composer. That's black American music, which is our American classical music. And I will put him and Bach together because they represent two different sides of the spectrum. Bach had this ability to, to make so much music that it seems almost impossible that one person could have, he just had it down to a science. And it was perfect. And then Duke Ellington had the ability to take a whole bunch of people and write music 
like a uh that represented their soul he just could tap into the soul of musicians and make music that felt like it wasn't even written it just felt like it was coming right from their spirit for from an artist perspective and as a performer enlighten the audience what is it like for you to work on a project and see it come to fruition where you're standing on stage entertaining the people and they're just bobbing to everything that you're singing it's otherworldly i can't even describe how humbling it is as well because you put so much work into the craft and then when you see you know we played one time in central park this past summer sixty thousand people and i'm looking out there and the people just grooving it's just a sea of people absolutely terrific answer i love that so much and as somebody that grew up and has so many family members on the music scene you released your first album times in new orleans at 17 17 years of age when you created that album who did you envision as your audience was it your peers or were you were trying to impress the ogs oh both both i really wanted wanted to have people who are coming up with me i grew up with a lot of great musicians and just people in the neighborhood really just i grew up having folks who i i, I hung out with and then also i played music with a lot of great living composers musicians who are living legends and hometown heroes so i wanted them to to accept me as one of the next I was kind of mistaking my claim, you know, because it was very competitive. Who would be the next one? Who were, who were the next ones? The young lions. So I wanted to be up to that level, you know. And you didn't stop honing your craft. You took it to another level. Juilliard grad, bachelor's and master's. Being someone that not only learned again, like from the influences in your family, can you explain to me how challenging Juilliard actually is. Juilliard is so so incredibly difficult to get into. Um, I, I'm blessed to have had the opportunity to study for so many years and to you know really you know go up against people from all across the world on your instrument. There are hundreds, almost almost from every part of the world that you can imagine coming. And there's only one or two slots per year. So mm. if your instrument doesn't have a slot that year, there's not even an audition for you that year. You might have to wait a year or two. So to get in, wow. it was really a competitive process. And and I really, you know, I, I, I was blessed because when I was in New York City at 17 years old, that was a turning point for me in so many ways because it exposed me to so many different things that, um, I could do so many possibilities and the rest is history. You know, once I, I was in the orbit of everything, it just allowed me to expand and, and grow and grow beyond what I even thought was possible, you know? And that expansion created unlimited range. Like you've worked with Leon Bridges, Billy Joel, Nas, and many other greats, a spectrum of music. But I have to ask you when you're just chilling at home, or when you're in the car, what are you listening to? Oh, it goes in 
different rotations. I tell you stuff that I always come back to because I listen to everything. And and when people say they listen to everything, you know, I really mean that. Like I I sometimes I'll be listening to some avant-garde music where it's just like not even instruments playing or like experimental uh, <laughs> soundscapes and stuff. Uh, but but I always come back to. That's why I ask you. Like that Marvin Gaye picture you got behind you, I asked you about that because that's one of the things I always come back to. His his biography, his his autobiography, Divided Soul, that book, I read that so many times. It's just amazing the life he lived and how he represented Detroit and just, you know, uh, I always come back to Marvin. I always come back to Miles Davis. Um, I always come back to Nina Simone. Um, I, I listen a lot to Kendrick. Um, I always, I always come back to, it's like a lot of jazz records that I grew up with and, and, um, New Orleans hip hop records that I grew up with. Like a lot of the, um, BG soldier slim. I love that, that, um, that actually the Jay-Z and Jay Electronica record, mm. my homie Jay Electronica, we went to high school. Uh, together at St. All in the Jay Leck record where Jay is featured, Jay-Z is featured on the whole record. To me, that's one of the greatest hip-hop records of the last 20 years. The way they make the record, the beats, some of the beats don't even have drums. To, to, to make a record where you could hear, you could have a, it's crazy. Like you got a, a record where there's no drums and it's a hip hop record, and, and, and they flowing like it's drums. It's amazing. It's amazing the subject matter of it. Um, wow, I, I go back to Kanye a lot too. I, I really, you know, Ye has has incredible range in his work for a hip hop artist. He's probably the most mm -hmm. um, vast diversity in his music. Um. Wow. I listen to a lot of folk music from different parts of the world, too. Um, you know, I was listening to this artist from Brazil, um, Leah de Itamaraca. She's, uh, she's come from an island off the coast of Brazil, and it's, she, she has these, like, street grooves in her music. I love it so much because I grew up carnival in New Orleans. is a big part of our culture. I mean, I could go on and on about music. Like, I'm always making playlists and just like, I, I could, I, I have so many different things I love to listen to. So, you light up talking about New Orleans the way I feel about my hometown of Detroit. And so, I have to ask you for somebody that's parachuting in and they wanted to learn more about who New Orleans is from a musical standpoint, food, lifestyle, and you had to give them a synopsis of what it's like to be from New Orleans, what would you say? Whew. I would say that it's one of the most liberated places mm. when it comes to people just want to have a, 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 a space where they can be themselves. And everybody celebrates individuality. People just want to express themselves and they don't want to judge anybody for expressing themselves and the music and the food and the dance and the architecture. All of it is so eclectic and it's and it, and it feels 
because it's so eclectic, it feels like nowhere else in the world. It feels like you could be in the Caribbean at the same time. It feels like you could be in Europe, same time as it feels like Africa. And, and like if you're in Ghana, I've been to South Africa. It reminds me of certain places there. Uh, it feels like you're in the South, you know, but it's not like Mississippi or Alabama or Atlanta. It's 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 just all of those things. So it becomes this really unique experience when you're there. It just feels like you're in another world. You don't even know um, what's going to happen next. You could turn the corner. You could see a brass band coming up the street. You could have somebody cooking some beans and rice out their house, and you and you follow the aroma. And the next thing you know, you you you're talking to some legendary musician who played with Fats Domino and you know you turn the corner and and uh turn another corner and you might see some kids just tap dancing on the street and it'd be one of the most incredible experiences just walking through the town one day in in in, in New Orleans could be one of the most incredible experiences of your life and you don't even have to plan nothing you just go outside you've done an amazing job bringing that to the masses because congratulations, my brother. You rank, You now joined the ranks of few iconic band leaders of late night television. Paul Schaefer and Questlove being the early other two. So when you got that call to be on Stephen Colbert, what was it like? Man, look, it was so special because everybody who had saw us on his old show, because I was a guest on his old show, our whole band, my Stay Human band was performing on Colbert Report. And he did an interview and we had a good chemistry. And then we did a performance and the performance, we just took the whole audience outside and we marched the whole audience and me and Steven were dancing. And it was just this whole celebration. So then he invited me back on his old show again. And this is all before anybody knew that he would take over for Letterman or that he was looking for a band leader rather. So I, I didn't have that in mind. I was just doing my thing. And the next thing you know, um, people calling me, people who I talk to every day, people who I haven't talked to in a long time, people on the street who saw the show, all of the people, every range of person in my life was saying, you should be the band for his new show because they saw the announcement. They were like, you and him, y'all got this thing. I know y'all became friends. Now you've been on his show. You could call him up. You should write him. Just tell him that you want to do this new show with him. And I was like, man, I don't, I don't know. So then I finally, after I got 30 people telling me, like, just so much that right. it felt like a message from God. Everybody was saying, you got to do this. You got to do this. You got to do this. I was like, okay. I was at a crossroads because I had graduated from Juilliard maybe two years earlier. I had been touring for two years. And the reason we were invited to his old show, The Colbert Report, was because we had my first number one record on Billboard charts. My own album I put out independently went number one. I had all these record deals on the table and it was a crossroads of now, do I want to sign this record deal, this record deal, or do I want to stay independent? And then he came through and was like, do you want to come in the TV? The day that I was going to call him and, and tell him, look, you know what? People have been telling me this. I, what do you think? I, you might already have somebody. You might be going in another direction. I was going to call him and, and just give him the whole spiel. And he just was like, Calling me that day, he told me the same thing had been happening to him. That people had been telling him, that kid, John Baptiste, you you y'all just 
So it was just a moment of clarity for him. And we had it at the same time. Wow. So that kind of clarified for me. That was my path. I said, okay, I see what's happening right now. I'm meant to do this right now. Record deal can wait. Um, Going on the road again can wait. All this, I'll get back to it. This is what I'm supposed to be doing right now. So I just trusted that. Well, and you crushing it. And, and, and lastly, and again, I appreciate you taking the time. Congratulations on winning the Academy Award and a Golden Globe for helping compose the score of critically acclaimed Pixar movie, Soul. What was it like writing music for a movie? And how did it feel to win two of the highest awards you can receive in entertainment? Man, I can't even explain the excitement and the 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 way that the world just opens up it, it's it's unbelievable how many people first at the time that soul came out trent atticus myself we have been working on it for two years plus so we had predicted that it would come out much earlier than it did um but the pandemic and everything pushed the release date back twice so then by the time it came out we were bummed out because it wasn't going to be in theaters. It was during the pandemic. We had all these things going in the world. So then everybody around the world who saw it, it was so moving. The timing that it came out, people needed something bright because it was a dark, dark year. And then now to get the Academy Award, the Golden Globe, it was just, it felt like I, I cannot say anything other than God be the glory because I had, I couldn't, we didn't have no control of that. It was just, it was meant to be, and and we just put our heart and soul into it. Literally, no pun intended. We just put our all into it, and it came at the right time for people. And it was something that I think will help so many people get into music, get into jazz. So many generations of kids write me, send me the the the, the letters, and want me to sign the poster. And I'm just like, man, this is this is exactly what I've been dreaming of. I wanted to share my love of music with so many people, and this is another vehicle to do it. Well, you deserve it, my brother. And the sky's the limit for your talent, your potential, the way you carry yourself with class and intellect. I can only just see more acclaim, more happiness, more success. But before I let you get out of here, I have a rapid fire segment called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this, John Batista? Right. Let's get it. Let's, let's get it. <laughs> you ready? He, who's your favorite pianist? Of all time. Thelonious Monk. Legend. You're back in New Orleans. What is the first place you hitting up to eat? My grandpa house. No doubt. What is he hooking up? What is he hooking up? My mama go over there with him and they'll both be in the kitchen. Red beans and rice, New Orleans style. And a lot of stories. <laughs> so you front center late night. I'll be seeing you up there cleaning in the board of health. Suits perfectly tailored. So I gotta ask you, who's your favorite suit designer? Woo! Oh wow! I'm gonna have to go with Pyre Moss, my man Kirby John Raymond. It's 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 um it's Brooklyn based. If you have not heard of it, look it up. P y e r m o s s. Fire! Fire! I'm into it, and he got a new client because I'm going to buy a suit because you told me to. And last but certainly not least, you work with Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross from Nine Inch Nails. 
to compose the score, as you mentioned, of Soul, name another band that has the talent you think will lend itself to scoring a film. Woo! I want to see Radiohead do the most scores. Radiohead is just like uh, it would be out of this world. I think that'd be. I would. I would like to do a score with Radiohead. That'd be incredible. Y'all heard that, Renaissance Man audience? We just put this together. Radiohead and John Batiste during the next major film. Coming to a theater near you. Shutting it down. Shut, shut, shut it down. I appreciate you joining, my brother. Have a great day. Yeah. Thank you so much. Last call. Last call. I'd like to thank John Batiste for stopping by the podcast. My favorite thing about our conversation was hearing him talk about legendary, important figures in classical music and dropping historic names like Cab Calloway. Howdy, 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 ha. Alongside names like Bach. And he's right. Cab Calloway is an American classical producer. And if we push for more diversity in the arts, maybe one day, people like my hometown legend, Jay Dilla, or Thelonious Monk, will be considered classical. Let's expose our youth to arts beyond what they're used to seeing and give them the opportunity to curate cultural capital in the future. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.